Hello, everyone. I'm Colin Tesla of Wrestling.com, joined by John Clark to talk about WWE Hell in a Cell. John, how are you doing tonight? I am doing pretty good. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. Coming off a pay-per-view that, uh, you know, like I guess most in recent memory <laughs> definitely did not have the best build to it. And I think at this point, especially given this is this was the last Thunderdome pay-per-view, I think it was fair to expect that same pattern to continue where you could expect the show to really exceed those expectations. And I don't know if they did. I mean, okay, I think the build was really kind of lackluster, and this was a a pretty good show, and we'll get into it. Before we do, just want to remind you all that this show, like everything we do here at WrestleZone, is available on any number of streaming platforms, or at SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, whatever it may be, we've got you covered. So, John, we might as well not bury the lead. We might as well get right into this main event here. We, we ended the show with the WWE Championship, Hell in a Cell match, Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, Drew McIntyre's last shot at the title in a Hell in a Cell match. And, I mean, we talked about it leading into this match. This one definitely needed the Hell in a Cell stipulation to add something a little different. You had that added brutality and violence, and, and that helped it. And these guys, they really went out there and, and toyed each other the pieces. If you looked at Drew McIntyre's back, it was covered in welts, and, and it looked pretty rough. So very clearly, you could tell. They were the they were the, these spots were really uh, they packed a punch, and I so I like this match. Right, I like the match, and I like the outcome. So like we got this great match. There were a couple points where I really thought that Drew McIntyre was going to win. Like towards the end there, I was like, are they actually going to give Drew McIntyre the title here? And I know that plenty of people thought that as well. Where you know it was easy to say, okay, Drew McIntyre is not going to get another title shot, so they're probably going to give him the title here. With the fans coming back next month, and you know it's pretty easy to see that line of of logic and in the end mvp interfered uh, he distracted mcintyre went over for another claymore there's a ref bump there was a bunch of one bunch of shenanigans and bobby lashley rolled up drew mcintyre for the win so drew mcintyre no longer will be able to challenge for bobby lashley's WWE championship bobby lashley is still the WWE champion so now these guys have to move on in different directions where they've been uh you know feuding for months now that one they're finally free to do on uh go on and do bigger better things hopefully john give me your thoughts on this what do you think uh so i see a lot of people that are uh complaining about the ending i loved the ending because the ending meant that drew can no longer challenge for the title and that is something that i've been waiting for for almost 10 months now uh, crazy that we've been talking about this for a long time. Luke suggests possibly that next for Drew could be the U.S. title and Sheamus. Uh, I don't think that's what they'll do because I think Sheamus is already kind of in that program with the mid-carters, you could call them. I don't think Drew's going to sink to that level. What is he going to do? I'm not quite sure. I would be surprised if he took some time off maybe, but I'm not exactly sure. But as far as the match itself goes... It, it, the match was very good. I, I get people are bitter about the ending and how you get like a roll-up pin or you get all these pins that aren't like clean. Uh, but Bobby's a heel. He does heel things. Drew's the one that brought MVP into the ring to start this. Uh, I just think that the way that they executed it was just fine. The match was very good. Uh, a little sloppy at the end there when they did uh, Bobby throwing uh, Drew out of the ring. You could easily tell there was somebody underneath the ring pulling what appeared to be a cushion that right. Drew landed on through the table. They pulled it and before the camera could cut to it, but they were the the ring apron was moving all over the place. You could easily tell, but um, 
it was fine. I'm happy with it. Uh, I'm forget about what Drew's doing next. Uh, I'm more. I am more intrigued by what Bobby is doing next because I think, and I've already seen people saying this in the chat, and there was an article that came out today about this. Uh, I think we know what is next. But we don't necessarily know when it's coming and how it's coming. Uh, and for those of you that are maybe hiding under a rock or don't know what I'm talking about, uh, Brock Lesnar is in serious talks to return with WWE right now. Uh, they haven't reached a deal yet as far as we know, but if WWE gets their way, they want him back basically as soon as they can get him back. Uh, they already have big plans for him, which we assume is probably with, with Bobby Lashley. We don't know that for sure, though. But... Um, it's going to be interesting how they introduce that because if he isn't, we assume he's probably for SummerSlam. That's what we can, I think, assume. But we have money in the bank first, and Drew can't challenge. So who is Bobby's kind of one-and-done program here coming up at Money in the Bank? That's going to be interesting to see. Uh, what are your thoughts on the direction of Drew moving forward? And more importantly, What's next? For, what's like, and when I say next, I mean right now. Where, where, what's Bobby going to do now? I guess I can do that in reverse order. Then uh, for Lashley, it's hard, as like you said, if if we assume that it is Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam, which at least on paper, not reporting this, but just speculating, at least in that based on that report, they would mention the rumor being that Brock uh, is in talks to return. Uh, that obviously has been a long-awaited dream match, and obviously I think they would want to do that at SummerSlams if they can. So that leaves Money in the Bank as a one-off, and I don't know. I mean, Kofi Kingston makes sense. Luke got to start saying Kofi or Keith Lee. There's another comment suggesting Kofi. This this uh, mini storyline with Kofi Kingston and MVP would make some sense for that, although we did see Kofi. Uh, he beat Bobby Lash a couple weeks ago, but then he lost to Drew McIntyre, so it's this weird, like... Uh, you know, weird, like, you know, uh, I guess logic there where it's like, okay, he, he didn't beat Drew, but he beat Lash. Like, it's weird kind of to kind of justify that in some ways. I think that makes sense, though. And I, I do, I saw some people tweeting that, uh, you know, and I, I think we said it maybe even last week that having Kofi aligned with MVP could be something very interesting. Maybe that I mean, this one off match could be a way to do that. I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, but I will say one, I will agree with a comment from Melody Kozis Yardy or Yardy in the comments. My problem with the main event was Lashley can't win on his own. And if you have, if, again, on paper, Lashley faced Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam, you know, that I'd want to like tonight was a good chance to really solidify Lashley or uh, return him to his his roots as a, a dominant heel. We've seen recently cause he's been the ladies man. He's been now. I know he's got to win. Thanks to MVP's help. And I get it. John, you, you had mentioned that they uh, McIntyre's one that brought MVP into the cell. So that was kind of some not comeuppance, but there's some irony there. And I, I can appreciate that. But I, I you know, I, I want them to really go back to Lashley being this dominant champion, especially if Lashley is that direction. In the meantime, I like the idea of Kofi. You can't really speculate on Keith Lee because you still don't really know what's going on there. Uh, in a recent interview that I saw Bobby Lashley gave, he, he pretty much said, you've got to consider everybody on Raw from Jackson Riker all the way down to, like, you know, let's say it's just Randy Orton for, for a more realistic option. Uh, you've got to consider everyone a, a potential contender in that sense. For me, I think Kofi makes the most sense sitting here today, although they have, I think they said tonight, four weeks until Money in the Bank, so they could yes. probably throw something together pretty quickly. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. But for Drew, we're getting a comment from DJ Garcia wondering if uh, we could see Drew turning heel. 
maybe calling someone up to be from or I guess two separate thoughts. Drew turning heel after this loss, and on the other hand, uh, someone getting called up to be Lashley's new opponent. I don't necessarily think that because that that in that sense, you're basically feeding someone to to be to lose to Lashley just like that. So like, if we want to get crazy, let's say they're going to call Karrion Cross up, they wouldn't put him in there to you know up against Lashley just to lose. And I think anybody on NXT right now, I would think would be at the carrying cross level or even a Bronson Reed. They wouldn't do, I don't think they would do that. It's interesting that you say that Kofi makes the most sense, which I do agree with that. But I think this would be a good chance to bring in the fiend, bring the fiend back in and do the one-off feud. But the problem with that as well is that he would lose again. And that's all he's done is lose. Uh, and then the comment here about McIntyre possibly turning heel. I can't see that happening as long as he as long as he's on Raw because then like who's the top baby face? Right. <laughs> they don't, they don't so, really have one, you know. Not yeah, really. Raw is hurting for main event contenders with Drew out of the picture now, and with Sheamus, who's arguably a main eventer, being the United States champion. And with Randy Orton, who's a main eventer, being in the tag scene, and AJ Styles, who's a main eventer, being in the tag scene, uh, some quick names that I can think of off the top of my head that you could put in for a one-and-done feud, John Morrison, Jeff Hardy are two that would work. Uh, but you, you really have to strategically pick somebody that you're okay with losing a quick match. Now, let's not get ahead of ourselves. There's a very good chance that he won't even defend at all at Money in the Bank. We, we've I was seen say that before. That. Yeah. We've seen that before, and then there there might be something that, like you, they've done things before where, let's say that the plan is for Lesnar and McIntyre, they would do something like what they just had a contract signing at Money in the Bank or something like that. We've seen yeah. that before too, but that leads before we move on. That leads me to my last question with this: Is do you think he will defend at Money in the Bank? What, what do you think? It's tough because the first, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the, the timeline is so that it's live SmackDown, Money in the Bank, and then Raw. So yep. I don't see them doing like bringing Brock Lesnar back. Let's say that he comes back on that SmackDown and he's like, I'm going to challenge Bobby Lashley. And then they have the, like, in theory, that would be possible. Then they do the, the, the contract signing of Money in the Bank, but like that would make a ton of sense. So they could do something where like Lashley's doing some kind of a promo Money in the Bank, and that's where Lesnar would kind of show up to interfere. Or I, we we assume if Lesnar or if Lashley were to have a match, that's where Lesnar could possibly show up at the end of it or whatever. But I think what you're getting at here is we're not we're not going to see Lesnar before fans are back is what you're getting. At, I right? really don't think so. Briefly tonight, there seemed to be a little little tickle that like oh maybe he'll come back just to like give this show something. But like you know that I I really don't think he's gonna be back before fans come back. Even if like if it's that first SmackDown, if it's that first Money in the Bank, or if it is that first Raw after Money in the Bank, I think. If, if again, this is all speculation, if he's coming back for SummerSlam, I would predict it might be one of those shows, if not shortly thereafter. Because in some ways, it's like, granted, yeah, now they're going to be built up a SummerSlam, but like, there's this part of me that's like, if he was going to, if he was okay returning in an empty arena, like, why hasn't he already? And that, you know, to me, that's kind of where I come Fair. off on it. But uh, I will say, if Lashley doesn't defend at Money in the Bank, I would expect him to defend the title in a very, like, short-term program on an episode of Raw. A, good for ratings. B, I, champions are supposed to defend the titles every, like, once every 30 days. And assuming they stick to that logic, which WWE, they don't necessarily don't have to. They can make their own rules. But if we're trying to 
apply some logic to the situation, I would expect to see that. Um, and with that, with that, I think you might even open up, you open up some more possibilities where it's like you don't have to worry about someone quote unquote selling a, a pay per view because then it's like okay, you could heat up Damian Priest or or, or whatever uh, Michael Company pointing out Priest as a possible contender like that. Uh, but that would be my guess. And then while we're on subject, lastly here before we move on, did you guys say wondering about potentially uh, Lesnar having uh, a, a, a spot by surprise in the Money in the Bank ladder match? Doesn't need it. I mean, there there are ways you could do that. You know, you could, or, or if they wanted to like have a mystery entrant, it could be somebody else. And in my mind, at this point, Edge would need it more. Robert Rodriguez and I talked about this on the SmackDown show. Edge needs it more because like he already got shot of the title. You know, and that would make a little more sense. But because Lesnar comes back and boom, you get like kind of like Goldberg. He doesn't need to really. Yeah, I mean, you, know, you can understand that. So I, I wouldn't think, necessarily expect that. I think they're going to treat the Money in the Bank much more serious this year with eight people in the match that actually legitimately are upper mid card talent that could really use this to thrust their career ahead. Uh, unlike what we've seen the past couple times they've done this match, I think they're going to get back to the roots here. And you're going to see the likes of, you know, Sami Zayn, Nakamura, Corbin, uh, uh, the people that are right now being booked as mid-card talent, even Big E, for example, as in this match that actually could use it. But we're still a couple weeks away from that. Uh, let's talk about which was the co-main event of the night, which was a women's match between Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. I'm going to be honest with you, this was a little bit of a letdown for me. Uh, I did not think the match was that uh, good as they kind of hyped it up to be it was all right the result was not well I, the result was surprising actually the fact that Rhea walked out with the title was not surprising but the fact that she kind of took a page out of Charlotte Flair's book DQ'd herself was confusing to me because I did that's not the character that I perceive Rhea to be but she was acting a little heelish after the after the match and then Charlotte's like you're finally learning, kid. And then she just laughed and said, you would have done the same thing. What do you think about that? John, Doesn't look like you like it. <laughs> no, no. Okay. So pay-per-views, and I, I said at the start of the show, like a lot of time, the, the, the pandemic era, where we sit here and we say, okay, the buildup was not good, but the pay-per-views are great. So I guess it all evens out and it's fine. This show was mixed. I think more than recent memory. Like, yeah, it exceeded my expectations in a lot of ways. But some of the things tonight just had me really scratching my head. And this was at the top of that list. All right. So when Rhea Ripley got called up to the main roster, nobody really knew if she was a heel or a face. She showed up. She was a face on NXT. So everyone's like, okay, she's a face. Then she like kind of turns heel on Asuka, wins the title at WrestleMania, teams up with uh, Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax in the lead up to that. So pretty clearly a heel. And then still kind of clearly a heel. Then Charlotte Flair gets involved. Then she's kind of a face. Like, it's it's been pretty a great area. And that's fine. You don't always need a heel on face. And that's Herman, Herman Dakar right on top. Wondering if Ray's a heel or a face. We don't know. We don't, we don't really know. And because, like I said, they, they well, it was a face. Now, then she was already a heel a couple weeks later. Then you'd be a putter in, in the ring in this program against Charlotte. Very clearly with a heel turn since she came back. She's pretty clearly a face then tonight. You know, the you know, I would say entering the match, pretty clear baby face, fine. And then the end, Johnny mentioned like she I don't want to say cheated, but she she pulled off the top of the announce table and, and hit Flair in the face with it and got disqualified. And the, I had several several problems with this actually. So number one, people use the announce table for, as a weapon like once a night on average. I and I don't think that's that's a 
uh, an exaggeration. And that I know that she took the top off uh, of the announce table and hit her with it. So that's a little different. I understand that. But like they, if they really want to do that, I don't know. I just feel like they're. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say this is what they should have done and said. That's that's their job. I'm saying they should have done something a little more like clear cut. Like, all right, that's very clearly a DQ. Because my immediate reaction was like, wait, what? Like, I was I was like frustrated. I was like, that's not a DQ. It shouldn't be. I mean, so that bothered me a lot because I, I don't think I'm alone in that. Because um, like, maybe we'll maybe we'll get the Spanish announce table back next month. Oh, we better. I, I miss that thing. We better get Spanish name announce table bumps and, and, and less of this stuff. Cause like that, that just bothered me, John. Like I, it took me out of it. There are two things tonight. It took me out of the show. This is one of them. I'll explain the other one later, but th this of the, the announce table and I, okay. I like, I would be fine with the D, a DQ if it made sense. This does not make sense. If they did a chair shot or something a little more creative or whatever, that's fine. But you know, and so if they did, uh, you know, DQ and one because obviously they want to extend the, this this feud. That was the theme for tonight. They want to extend things. Other in the main event, a lot of things tonight are going to go at least probably another month, unfortunately. So, uh, you know, with this, she gets, she gets DQ'd. All right, the story is she can't beat Charlotte Flair one on one, but via pinfall yet, whatever. That's cool. I'm 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 on board with that. This did not make a lot of sense to me. And then and then not only that, it's not like she like she wisely outsmarted the villainous flair and like okay, the, the good guy got one over on the bad guy. No, then she was like she she uh heelishly demanded for her title and told the ring announcer to to announce she's still a champion. So then I'm like, are they are they making her heel again? And even though they very, very clearly have established that Charlotte Flair is the 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 bad guy or the bad the, the villain, I should say, in the story. Like that really threw me off. I was like, I don't know what we're doing here. Like the DQ upset, like frustrated me. And then the, uh, as we were just talked about a minute ago, and this has been the problem for this this whole story. I don't know who I'm supposed to for this point. Do you, what do you think, John? Uh, I think one thing that we can agree on coming out of this is that this isn't over. Uh, Charlotte and Ripley are clearly, hopefully not, but maybe the new Bobby and Drew McIntyre, where this will be the third time now, assuming that they they fight they fight again, which you would think they have to. Yeah. At Money in the Bank, likely, maybe before, who knows? Um, but I'm starting in to get into the territory that I think that this will go the whole way to SummerSlam, and the payoff will be some kind of gimmick specialty match at SummerSlam between these two, where Charlotte probably maybe eventually wins the title or something like that. But uh, yeah, this this is no between the two. I didn't like how they did it tonight because it was confusing, like you mentioned, pointless. And like Jesse Mott is saying, we can't forget Nikki Cross is kind of still in the picture here too. Uh, so who knows where they're going with that? Uh, that's probably where I'm most in the dark right now with where they're going to go because it's obvious they're doing something again, but. It's unclear how and when. So I want to see how they continue to build this up tomorrow. And I think it'll be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I think at least there's that where like you can pretty much predict we're going to get more of uh, Ripley and Flair. But you do have to remember that you know, Nikki Cross is there. If I I wasn't like 100% watching this during the kickoff show, but when they they uh, played the, the video package for the Flair-Ripley match, I'm pretty sure they didn't show any of the, the Nikki Cross stuff. So... A little interesting there. I but I would expect at the very least Nikki might get maybe like a one-on-one match with Ripley and then 
uh, we probably get another uh, Ripley Flare match, maybe at Money Bank. And if we are going the the McIntyre Lashley route, then probably again at SummerSlam. If that is the, I, I could easily see that, unfortunately. So I don't want to go like negative to negative, uh, right, like right away. So I'll, let's, you know, I'll save my other big bone to pick for this show for a little later. Uh, let's let's go, but let's go, let's let's go a little positive. All right, we're so we're talking about the women's division. The women's division, I believe, I saw they had six match the the whole show six matches tonight, and they split it three and three. I, I'm not mistaken there, and that's that's pretty good. Right to have that balance, and the the show started off with a Hell in a Cell match between Bailey and Bianca Belair. I like this one a lot. Uh, I said it right when the match started. I thought, okay, this is a great way to have Bianca Belair really spend herself as a top star on SmackDown. Not that she needed to. She obviously won WrestleMania. She she beat uh, Bailey at WrestleMania Backlash. Uh, but this Hell in a Cell match, good chance to really prove herself, and I guess maybe in another to another level i guess um and i, I think she did and and I, I think a lot of people uh naturally compared this match to bailey versus sasha banks from last year and that's fair i think if you had that kind of in the back of your mind this match may have fallen a little short but these two women went out there they, they did their very very best put on a great match and i think they did i always love seeing how people how creative people get we had uh, bailey tie bella's hair to the ropes tie her hair to the chair and then uh, Belair used her hair as like a, a bull rope. She she tied it around uh, Bailey's wrist and like dragged her around. I thought that was really cool. Um, I like that a lot. Just a lot of good spots here. And you know Bailey, I feel like somebody says it every week she's she's been the MVP of this pandemic era. It's great for her to be in the spot. Granted, I was sitting here just uh, just yesterday talking with Robert DeFleece about how this match has not had a good build because Bailey hasn't won a match. So in theory, she shouldn't have a championship match and this feud is based on laughter but then you get natural uh, takeaways like oh i guess belair got the last laugh you know <laughs> stuff like that so i like this match a lot i thought that um you know on a night when a lot of the matches had pretty solid in-ring action even with some questionable decisions i this i thought this one really stood perhaps above the rest what do you think john uh this was a very good match the ending was pretty good with the latter move there at the end uh the way that they kind of made bailey look very strong in a, in a majority of the match was also good for her but then to have bianca kind of defy the odds at the end and come out on top is very good for her and like like everything on the show it's interesting to see where we're gonna do next because i'm just it's it's the SmackDown women's roster, there's no, there's no secret how small it is and how much they need more talent. And I really want to get your thoughts on the fact that Bailey is probably out of the picture now and there's like nobody left. It's almost like, I mean, you have Carmella, I guess. Yep. Um, yeah, seven seven people total, John. Seven people total. It's Slim Pickens and six if you, if you discount Bailey, if we're saying we're moving on from that. Um, yeah, uh, especially yeah, when he when he break down the heel face divide. Yeah, it's Carmella, and I think that's pretty much it. Like they got they got Liv Morgan. Um, they technically have Natalia and Tamina who split time with the Raw, and we'll talk. We can talk about the, the kickoff show match if we want. I'm not sure if Natalia and Tamina are our faces. There is Sasha Banks. Nesh Chris reminding us that there is Sasha. Maybe she'll be back for some Slam. I don't know. But at this point, you can't really factor her in as a, a full-time player uh, on SmackDown, at least. So 
Someone pickings DJ Cassier predicting that Kamala is next. I would agree. Granted, we saw Banks uh, feud with Kamala earlier this year. I think ba- uh, Belair has defeated Kamala already. But when you only have seven women, you gotta you gotta make do with what you got. So I, I would probably expect that to be uh, uh, even as a short term. You know, uh, to just to probably if we're gonna, you know, you, you gotta have more most of the titles defended at Money in the Bank. I would assume. So if we're gonna say oh, okay, maybe Lashley won't defend, then he, I would assume maybe a little a one off program like Carmella here for uh, Sasha or so Bianca Belair that makes sense, and then. It's a lot pretty easy to predict that Becky Lynch will turn to Raw, but if she once she's back in the fold, SmackDown needs her big time. So I hope that that will be in, in the cards as well because they need her. And uh, Jess Mata predicting she could return at Money in the Bank and join SmackDown. I like that direction a lot. Um, a lot of I think that'd be a interesting match, match potentially to build to for uh, Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair like that. So. Uh, I think Sasha's coming back, and I think we're going to get a rematch at SummerSlam with, between those two, but how they introduce her back is going... I thought there would be a good chance we might have we seen her Sasha tonight. Really? Uh, so I think that Sasha is due back probably very soon to kind of build that, because they never actually did anything with those two after WrestleMania, like they didn't really Sasha just basically said I'll, I'll have my rematch and then she's been gone ever since so you have to think that the time is almost up for her to come back i like this idea and i would agree i think you know if we are assuming or hoping that WWE will bring back everybody for summer as everyone they can for SummerSlam, i'd have to imagine that bianca Belair, or, oh, damn i mix them up again sasha banks will be at the top of their list uh, but I like, you know, at the same time, there's a good chance we could see some fresh faces here. Anthony Castellano predicting or, you know, suggesting, I should say, uh, Mia Yim as, as a potential new challenger. Um, well, we saw some news a while ago that Mia Yim got called up to SmackDown, but no, no on-screen debut yet. So not sure what's in the cards there. I guess it's possible. I, obviously, Mia Yim very talented. And if they really want to, they could build her up pretty quickly. But that would be a pretty, a pretty uh, maybe a little too quick if we're talking for money in the bank or, you know, maybe a little beyond that. But I, I like that. I like that option, at least on paper. That'd be a good way to add some depth and some new energy to the women's vision on SmackDown. And they need it. So still on the women's vision, that, as I said, they got uh, three ma- matches on the main show tonight. And can't forget about the other one, John. Shayna Baszler and Alexa Bliss. And the theme of this one was hypnosis. You know, mind control in a lot of ways. Alexa Bliss is doing stuff with her mind. I didn't know what to expect from this one. Um, based on what we saw from Raw, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this was the first time we saw Shayna Baszler since she was locked in the room with Lily. We did not see her last week. So here she was, unharmed. Lily still in timeout. But the fact that Bliss mentioned her tonight in a backstage promo made me wonder if we have not seen the last of Lily. I don't know. Uh, There's definitely something to keep an eye on, obviously. But regardless oh another thing Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax have not broken up yet how how John how like they lost the tag titles they have no reason to be together and yet Shayna Baszler is still palling around there with with Jackson Reginald even though Reginald has cost her matches even though there's nothing tying them together mm, that I that, that upsets me I, I just I your guess them. your guess is as good as mine I do understand why people say that they should be broken up because they should be uh shana should be winning and looking better than she is she lost to alexa bliss alexa bliss could possibly be in line for a title match soon as well she's she's been looking fairly good as well uh nia jackson reginald just uh they just don't make any sense doing what they're doing now this was my least favorite match of the night uh i wasn't impressed with this 
I just didn't like it. Pros. Alexa, Alexa Bliss still doing her very best to make this gimmick work. And I think that needs to be emphasized every time she's out there. Like she's been, you know, the classic quote, like, you know, making chicken salad out of, you know what? I mean, she's doing her best and I, I commend her for that. I think she's so very talented. She's great. And there's only so much you can do when, when you're, as, as Luke got to start with say, it's all about the booking. If you're handed something like <laughs> you got to do your best and she's, she's doing what she can. So I think that's important to emphasize. And I mean, also, it's fine. I like it. I just don't like the fact that it's Shayna. Like Shayna no. should not be doing this. No, but at the same time, while the, the, the SmackDown one decision gets a lot of the attention raw, you know, they don't have that much depth when you, when you've got, especially technically three women, uh, booked in the, the the raw women's title scene then you've got you know uh, dana brooke and mandy rose in the tag title scene like kind of almost i'm not saying that had to be shana but in a lot of ways you know they didn't have a lot of other options but i will say yes i've, I've said that i feel like i say it pretty much every week on the raw show really don't like how they've uh, been booking shana throughout this she lost tonight uh and i, I was gonna say another pro Alexa Bliss is wrestling again, so that is good. This is their first. Uh, well, okay, after last week, she wrestled on Raw, and Reginald ruined that, by the way. Uh, but this is her first match on pay per view, at least since March, so that was good. Uh, so I'm I'm very glad to see Alexa wrestling again. That is a good thing. Um, for me, I, I will say, like all along, I've I've been on board with the supernatural stuff. I'm not someone that's sitting here like, oh, I, I don't like any of the supernatural stuff. It's too weird, or whatever. It's just sometimes just with the way they do it, it doesn't feel like they're taking it seriously or like it's just this weird like in between. And I, and I, I don't know. It's just the, like I, I like it on paper, but sometimes just with the way they execute it, you've got like Alexa hypnotizing Nia Jax. She slapped Reginald and that was kind of a fun spot. Um, and then she, you know, she pinned uh, Shayna Baszler and she kind of like used her her powers to kind of, uh, I don't know, power up and, and over and, you know, defeats now Shane Baszler, a former NXT or NXT women's champion, former UFC fighter. So there's like something weird about that to me. I don't know. I, I feel like if you're going to go that route, they could have definitely done a better job, not only building Alexa Bliss up more as this like supernatural force, which they have, but as a legitimate force that could beat Shayna Baszler. And on the other hand, this doesn't mean as much as it could because they've, they've treated Shayna Baszler so badly that like they've ever losing week after week after week. So then like, you know, getting, I feel like people say this all the time with these storylines, but who wins? Because, like, Alexa Bliss should benefit from beating Shayna Baszler, but without the way Shane Baszler hasn't been booked recently. Exactly. You know, that's my problem with it. I don't know where we're going from here. You know, Shayna, DJ Cassidy commented earlier uh, that, you know, we could see the, the Jackson and Baszler break up tomorrow. I'd like to see that. But I, yeah, I think I said this weeks ago, but uh, Ness Chris pointed out, Shane's from Shayna to SmackDown. Shayna needs to get away from Raw. SmackDown needs uh, more competitors in the women's vision. That is a win-win to me. Um, but this was one of the more, I don't know. I, I was the, John, I said I was frustrated by two things on the show, and this was not one of them. I wasn't that frustrated because I we, we you had to feel this was this was coming, whereas the other two, I was like more taken aback and so for this i'm like i don't know where we're going from here but at the very least i would think that this could if if all you know goes well i would assume this is leading to alexa bliss challenging for the women's title again even though i was saying back in january she should have won the title and randy orton ruined that so i don't i don't know what uh, we saw the fiend stuff the the, the field there's no real long-term plan but i would hope that somewhere Maybe maybe somebody will say, oh, maybe we'll you know make Alexa Bliss back into this title contender. I don't know. But 
might as well get into it here. The other thing that really bothered me tonight was uh, Seth Rollins rolling up Cesaro just like that because uh, great match. Uh, I, I really, really like Seth Rollins and Cesaro together. They're both the two great wrestlers. Cesaro, one of my favorites. Seth Rollins, you can't deny his talent. Two of the very best wrestlers in the world. Um, but they had they they were feuding into WrestleMania. They had a great match WrestleMania. They kept feuding after that, and it's been going on and on. Not even in, in a Drew McIntyre Bobby Lashley sense, but just because it's, it's kept going on and on. And I will say they've done some things to to shake it up, where you know Seth Rollins attacks Cesaro and you know gotten him stretched off, and they've done some things. They brought me back last this this Friday when Rollins cut a nice promo saying he was disgusted by Cesaro. I was uh, more more on board of that, but. I entered this show really thinking, okay, this needs to end. All right. SmackDown, as the Roman Reigns stuff is great. We did not get to see any Roman Reigns tonight other than a video package because they did the Hell in a Cell match on Friday. And that was, you know, that was their call. So this show did not have that to boost it up. And that's fine. But SmackDown, beyond the Roman Reigns stuff, we kind of saw that tonight in some ways where you remove that and you've got Rollins and Cesaro, this this ongoing huge, you know, never ending. And, and it's gotten a little, it's a little stretched out at this point. Belair and Bailey had a great match tonight, but a lot of problems with the the structural, you know, foundation of that feud where Bailey hadn't won. It was based on laughter. So my problem with this match, it was a great match. It needed to end though. Like I want more. I've been saying this for weeks now. I want new things. I want new storylines. And I think the theme for tonight, one of them at least, was stalling. And maybe I should have seen that coming. And maybe I'm a little naive for not. But I wanted to see uh, this feud end, and and these guys move on to other things instead. Seth Rollins rolls up Cesaro, and we are, I would say, like 99% sure I'm, we're going to get more of this one. What do, what do you think, John? Are, are you glad to get more of this, or, or what? Um, I'm not necessarily convinced that we're going to get more of this. Uh, we probably will, but let's talk about, the, the, as far as the match itself, what did you think about the ending of that match? I mean, it was just a... It was just a roll up, like, and I, I, I saw some praise for like the fact that it was, I guess, a fairly different roll up. It wasn't like a, a schoolboy. I'm like, all right, but a roll up's a roll up. Like that's, you know. I, but I, were I, you I, happy with who won? Well, <laughs> I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. If I knew that they wanted Rollins, if this to continue, I should say. Well, then, yeah, like Rollins would have no like to stand on if he lost here because that would be three singles losses to Cesaro, WrestleMania, uh, throwback SmackDown, and and that in theory, this. So, I don't know. I still think, oh no, Cesaro, I was all this stuff boys together. I forget, like, I was one for, for a second, I forgot if Cesaro got a title shot. Yeah, he got a title shot at WrestleMania backlash, he lost. So, you can't really say, okay, they should, you know, give him a title shot. Let's say I'm in the bank because he already got one. Like I, would, I wouldn't necessarily want to see that. So I don't know. Like I, w- I wanted this to end. Um, Seth needed a win. I think that's fair to say. He's been pretty, you know, I guess on a losing streak, Flackford word on SmackDown. So there's some truth to that. But well, so here's what I think. I think that we're getting Seth Rollins versus Edge SummerSlam. I really do think that's what we're getting. I think it's possible. Uh, And I think that it starts with Rollins being his Rollins self, calls out probably Edge himself, or he keeps attacking people and Edge comes back to confront him or whatever. But Rollins getting the momentum and winning, I think, is okay for now. 
but I don't want Cesaro to get lost in the mix again because I'm not sure where he fits in and where he goes from here. He lost. He's obviously been elevated to a better status than he had been a year ago. But if, if we're done with this Rollins and Cesaro thing, which I think we might get one more match maybe on, I, I'd say SmackDown, because I really do think at least one of these two guys will be in the Money in the Bank match next month. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that's what we do with Cesaro. Maybe he wins that, and that's what he does next. But I think I think both of these guys will be fine. That's that's what I think. And I would agree. Like it, you know, this wasn't anything egregious. I just more I don't know the way they kind of handled it. Where like Rollins got the roll up, Cesaro was mad, and Rollins was like, "Ha ha, I beat you!" Like, you know, uh, I guess. Yeah, technically, you know, Cesaro has two wins now. Ron has one. Yeah. So technically, you, I would, my prediction at this point would be one more match, maybe on a SmackDown, and then if Cesaro win that, because I don't necessarily see this lasting too much more beyond that. But it's hard to complain too much because these two guys are great, and that's that's also due for this next match. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, uh, they had a match uh, on the show, and this was one of those matches where could have been inside Hell in a Cell. I think at various points, any match on the SmackDown side. Could have been Hell in a Cell, but they went with Bianca Belair and Bailey. And now that we saw the outcome, I'm glad they did. But I think Rollins and Cesaro could have had a great Hell in a Cell. I think Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn could have had a great Hell in a Cell. Uh, regardless, two great matches here. I would say the best matches of the night. And granted, the Hell in a Cell is a different like element, so it's hard to really grade them entirely. But I enjoy this a lot. Uh, I will say, unfortunately, the storyline hasn't been great where they've really, I felt like, relied on the fan to kind of bring their own like you know i guess you know importance to the table it's like they they're they're expecting the fan to really lean on like oh yeah these guys have a lot of history like and they're kind of like implying that whereas on tv it's just been okay you know they had this feud kevin owens won at wrestlemania and then sammy's still uh you know been hanging around and they've been like kind of involved with the ic title and then sammy's been attacking owens recently um that's fine. You knew this was going to be a good match. You knew it was going to be great. But the big surprise, Sami Zayn won cleanly. And granted, the, the big story was, okay, Commander Aziz attacked uh, Owens on SmackDown, so he wasn't 100%. All right, that's fine. Sami Zayn won his first singles match this year, and I believe I saw dating back to October of 2020. Yes. This, his first pinfall win uh, in a singles match. He's, he's, he's gotten some wins in tag team matches, but... This year, he has not won a singles match until tonight. So that is worth celebrating. And I think Sean Rastapa Fightful tweeted, I don't want to say the exact number. I feel like it was six. Six pinfall total uh, singles victories for Sami Zayn dating back to 2017 or so. That's crazy. <laughs> Former Intercontinental Champion. Um, that's wild to me. And, you know, for uh, but even just in, in a much smaller sense, it's already almost the end of June. Sami Zayn has not won a singles match until this point. Um, so I feel kind of hopeful for that. I, I feel like, uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly what, you know, we, we, we've seen Sammy feud with Biggie, the, the IC champion, Paul Cruz is the heel right now. Um, I don't necessarily know who would be the next face room to feud with off the top of my head, but for I who? do like, hmm? for who, for Sammy. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, maybe Nakamura would make a little sense. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see that. I think there'd be there's there's history there, and that would make some sense. Um, but I, I I like this. I was great. It was a very good match. These guys have great history, uh, and that, that's inherent. And they they're great together whenever you know whenever they are working together. So I like this a lot. Great one for Sami Zayn. John, what do you think of this? 
I was very, very happy that Sammy won. I think he needed it more than Kevin. Uh, I'm happy to see Sammy's character continue to evolve. He like He's like this crazy, naive, and conspiracy guy where something's always going on, and I think it works well for him. I'd like to see him... Uh, I know I've been saying this for a lot of people, but he is truly one of the people that I think will be in Money in the Bank. Uh, his, his character plays well into that. Uh, and if he's not in the match, I, I think his character also plays well into say that there's a conspiracy against him that he's on the match. Uh, WWE actually posted a survey on their Twitter tonight asking fans what their favorite match of the night was. They did not include Sammy and Kevin in it, and Sam, Sammy retweeted it and said that there was a conspiracy. So... Um, more so than that, though, what does Kevin do next is, I think, interesting. Does he turn heel? Does he just kind of... He's kind of stuck in neutral right now on the mid-card. Not much for him to do, uh, I guess. I mean, he's already kind of exhausted his, his, his stuff with Apollo, too. So yep. they desperate. I mean, they desperately need to do either a King of the Ring tournament or put him, I guess, also in Money in the Bank. I'm not sure, but something needs to be done for yeah. him anyway. Before I get my thoughts, Kevin Owens, DJ Cassier with more love for Sammy Zayn saying, Sammy, if you're WWE champ, he could dethrone Reigns as a face. I don't want to see that. I mean, I, I I think they really like this, you know, Sammy Zayn conspiracy theory character, and, and I don't suppose see that changing anytime soon because he's so good at it. Like, he's, he's so good at, uh, you know, being a bad guy, and, and, and he just it seems like he's kind of naturally fit for that role. Uh, and DJ, I guess, suggesting Kevin Owens could feud with Aziz. But then is that you're kind of by feuding with Aziz, you're kind of feuding with Apollo. So, like, and we've already seen them in a, facing off in recent weeks. So, I don't know about that. I think maybe more than anybody, at least maybe in the men's divisions, Kevin Owens could really benefit from moving over to the, the, the other brand, in, in, in this case, Raw. Because, yeah, he, he's, uh, he feuded with Roman Reigns for months, he's feuded with Aziz now. Um, I don't think anybody really wants to see him face King Corbin or Baron Corbin right now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really know who I necessarily see him feuding with at this point. Uh, Biggie's a possibility if they want to turn if they want to turn Owens heel again. We, we kind of saw that teased uh, this past week on SmackDown. Biggie, uh, I uh, I don't know. I feel like there's something there where Kevin Owens actually was nice and he praised Biggie, and Biggie was more uh, reserved about it. I don't think they're they're gonna turn Biggie heel though, so that would, could be something there. Um, but I, I think Owens makes a lot of sense for Money in the Bank. You, know, you, got, you got to have, you know, you got to fill the, fill those spots. Kevin Owens makes a lot of sense. Uh, hopefully, I, I would hope this year we will get uh, qualifying matches. I know some years they just you know announce participants. I do hope we'll get actual qualifying matches to make it matter a little more. But uh, regardless, I think Owens would make a lot of sense. And this is something I think it has been floated around at least among fans for quite a while. Jesse Mata saying Kaya would benefit a lot from moving back to NXT. Raw dropped the ball when he was there, and I would agree. Um, I also don't know if I see that. I mean, it's possible. Um, what would you think about Owens moving back to NXT? Do you, do you think that's realistic, or do you think that might be a little, little bit of a stretch? Uh, I mean, maybe, uh, but I would say at this point, it's probably a stretch. Yeah. I mean, and it, in theory, we will be seeing some NXT call-ups in the near future, supposedly, and maybe they might be inclined to send Owens down, but at the same time, I feel like Kevin Owens is someone that they very much want to have on the main roster, whatever brand it might be, because he does have that, 
know, name value, star power. And I'll say that, like, I guess, you know, Finn Balor went down to the to NXT, not even down. He went over to NXT. So, you know, I, I feel like in a lot of ways, those two guys are comparable. But I don't know. It feels like Kevin Owens is a main roster guy at this point, even if he, I don't know. I don't know what the best path forward for him is because he does feel like he's spent a lot of his options on SmackDown. And as just just mentioned, he did not do very well overall on raw so what's we'll the odds with that but uh overall here i think you know having you know granted i did not really enjoy the, the role of aztec but when you have those two very strong matches of owens and zane and cesaro and rollins i like those matches a lot and they helped really kind of boost up tonight and overall i mean i I've, i'm sitting here saying that something's really bothered me that was not a bad show by any means like i i you know, I still enjoy these pay-per-views. I, I still think, ironically, even though they, they do them every month and you, you could say that's far too often, I enjoyed the show. I, I liked Bianca Belair and Bailey. I thought uh, Drew and Bobby was a good match till the ending. And the very least, I was glad with the, the, the result. Um, Ray Ripley, Charlotte Flair, again, that, that kind of bothered me. But, I mean, more often than not here, the, the, the matches are going to be good. Sometimes the, the storytelling is not, not the best. Uh, or the, I should say, the, as, again, as Luke Goddard would say, the booking. But, you know, all things put together, um, I'll go for a 7.5. I think that's oh, fair. Oh, 7.5. Maybe that's too okay. high. I always grade no, too no, high. No, no, okay, that's, okay. That's my uh, first thing, because it, it wasn't bad. I went for a 7.25, 7 mm-hmm. and a quarter tonight. Thought it was pretty good. Very good matches. Very good storytelling. Good developments made. Just all in all, a pretty good pay per view to uh, end the Thunderdome era. Yeah, uh, and Nestor Curse chipped in with a seven point five. I was. We've been asked about the pre show match, and I actually do want. I do want to talk about it just at least a little briefly. It was Natalia versus Mandy Rose. John, I enjoyed this match better oh, than. Boy. Some of the matches on the main on the main card, I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, you know, granted, I think there's some uh, division about okay, you put anybody in there with Natalia, they're gonna look good. Mandy Rose has made a lot of progress, even dating back to her match at SummerSlam. I thought she's it was very clear she's improved a lot. I enjoyed this, although I will say Natalia won with a sharpshooter. If you're trying to build up what has seemed like they're going with Natalia Tamina versus Dana Brooke, Mandy Rose, why would you have the champion win cleanly? Like is now. What, where does where does you know Mandy Rose go after that? Like how do you how do you immediately presumably turn around tomorrow night and say okay you know we are gonna have I, that's they, they, they almost have to because they don't have any other teams at this point not really so that struck me as a little odd. Did you guys see it agreeing that the wrong person won the preseason match? But I thought this was this was good. You were shaking your head. Did you did you not care for it? No, no? could oh. not care less. <laughs> I was uh, I was very pleasantly surprised. I, I liked I actually liked it, and I usually I I usually kind of take the attitude with with these uh, pre-show matches, but I thought it was good. But you know, to each their own. That's fair. I mean, it, I I get what you mean. It's just that it may it does no favors for the tag division, like you said. Yeah, and that's unfortunate, but. I imagine we will be back here tomorrow night anyway, talking about Raw, and I, like I said, I imagine we're going to be seeing more of this feud, even though this was a weird way to to get there. Uh, but some more thoughts about the show before we get out of here. Michael Kent with a 6, and that seems to be roughly the range here. So Kevin Taylor with a 7.3, DJ Gassay with a 4.4. Ouch. On the low there. Again, I've, I've, I feel like I went a little too high with my 7.5. Herman Takara with a 6, so you know, some people a little disappointed, but uh, Jesse Mata with a 7.5. 
So, you know, and, uh, you know, it feels like that's kind of the range. And a friend of the show, Nando with a six as well. Uh, the roll-up win for the, that world title match at the end def- seems to be weighing on him as well. And I would agree. And maybe, again, I went, I went to have my 7.5. I might regret that. But um, not a bad show. Not a bad swan song for the Thunderdome era here. That is what's important to remember. This was not the best show. Uh, not feeling the best coming out of it, but you know, uh, granted, we still have a couple weeks for uh, Thunder the Thunderdome and Raw and SmackDown. But the next time we're here talking about the pay per view, John, it will be Money in the Bank, which is just under a month now. So that will be very much looking forward to that. And um, I'll be pretty, that'll be pretty cool, man. I, I, I like Money in the Bank. I the live, live at the show, live yeah. at the show. John will, be, John will be live there, so we're gonna figure that out. But uh, regardless. <laughs> I think I can obviously we're both looking forward to it. So that'll be very, very fun. Um, it's gonna be crazy, you know. No more Thunder Dome at that point. It's gonna be uh back to the normal, normal, normal way of doing things. So that's that's uh, yeah, obviously the as I think I was saying to Robert yesterday, the light at the end of the tunnel is rapidly approaching, and that's a beautiful thing. So we can very much look, look forward to that. And yet again, in the meantime. We'll be here pretty much every day trying to keep you guys entertained, trying to help you guys enjoy the wrestling, whether it's John, you and I are here Mondays talking about Raw, Tuesdays talking about NXT, Robert Lee, Dave Lee, and I are on Friday slash uh, Saturday, depending on AEW, talking about SmackDown. The Dynamite Dudes have had to talk about AEW, and they also do WCW Rewritten, talking about fun, fancy booking stuff with WCW, and we've constantly got a great stream of new interviews. Keep, your, keep your eyes out tomorrow afternoon for the newest of edition of the rankings. Yes, absolutely. John is killing it with the rankings. And obviously, I would imagine there's going to be a lot to shake up after this pay-per-view because, you know, lots of stuff happened tonight. Although, again, as we were talking about, some of it a little questionable. But obviously, the rankings don't care. They're going to they're going to shift around and 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 that will be kind of a, a chance to to reassess how the landscape heading into Money in the Bank. So and just to wrap up here. Uh, a constantly a, a great stream of interviews coming you guys. Bill Perser recently interviewed. Um, Alexander Wolf, or also known as Axel Tischer. He also interviewed uh, Eric Roster, Fred Rowan. I interviewed uh, Ring of Honor star Bateman. Like after that one coming out this week, all this great stuff and more is available on any number of streaming platforms: SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, whatever it may be. We've got you covered. So leave a like and subscribe. And John, in this final stretch here, especially of the pandemic era, I should say, we try to do one thing above all else. Even though it's, it's it can be hard sometimes, but we do our best to do it above everything else. Can you tell me what it is? Enjoy wrestling. Indeed. Thanks for listening, everybody.